I have been describing school communities as microcosms for the society that we want to have. And I think if any educators listening to this is looking at their school community, that's the students, that's the staff, and you believe that this is a representation, it's a microcosm for the society of the future that you'd be proud to say that you've, you've helped to curate, um, then we've done our job. Welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks and today Tiny Voice is talking all about daring to lead and I am so excited that I've been joined by Yolandi Harrowell who funnily enough like most people I came across on Twitter. So welcome Yolandi. Thank you for having me Toria. I am so excited that you have been able to make time in your rather busy schedule to <laughs> on this because you are rather busy. For all those that don't know who Yolandi Harrowell is, who is Yolandi Harrowell? Well, um, I am an assistant head teacher first and foremost. I'm a passionate A-level psychology teacher um, and I also teach GCSE. Um, and a few months ago, I founded, co-founded a business called Mindful Equity with uh, the wonderful Aretha Benton um, to charge forward the movement to encourage more black and Asian women into education and hopefully also into leadership. Wow so you, you know you keep yourself busy then? Just a little bit um, I probably <laughs> should also mention I'm a, a school governor at a primary school but we, we try to fit all these things in. Goodness that's <laughs> immense and you're married and you've yeah. got a busy family life so yeah. goodness me that's <laughs> quite something. So did the little Yolandi always want to end up in education because you, you're doing an awful lot in education was that always a little Yolandi dream it really wasn't um my first big job dream when I was big and old was to be an architect um I was very passionate about it in secondary school to the point where I met uh one of the UK's um most incredible architects who I still love to this day, uh, Richard Rogers. And I remember meeting mm -hmm. him when I was 15 and thought he was incredible and wanted to be just like him. Um, and unfortunately, that dream was quashed a little bit by my mother suggesting that actually being a, a black girl, it'd be really challenging for me to get into architecture, which is really sad. Um, as I've gotten older, that conversation has evolved in my memory. And my mum is adamant that mm. she didn't mean to say that, you know, excuse me, that I couldn't be whatever I wanted to be, but rather it was, she wanted to ensure that I was playing to my strengths. So I think that was my mother's kind way of saying, you're not great at drawing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Out of interest then, did you feel as a black child that you had fewer options? Um, that's really interesting that you say that. And I think the answer has to be no. Um, mm -hmm. And But actually as a black uh, 
young adults going into university that very much changed. So I was very fortunate to go to a very exceptionally diverse um, primary school. Um, I grew up mm-hmm. in Southeast London. Um, very proud of that too. Um, and I went to an amazing secondary school, um, all girls school, Church of England in Tulse Hill. Um, exceptionally diverse, not only in the student body, but also in the senior leadership team. So it was amazing to see um, power in all races and uh, diversities and and um, just in, in gender, in race, in, in many different ways. And so I, our head teacher was a, a wonderful woman called Leslie Morrison, and um, she was a black senior leader, not many of them around at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And she filled us all, every single one of us girls, with the confidence to achieve anything. We were uh, to go on and be incredible and and wave the flag that all St. Martin's girls are, um, you know, a credit to our school. So um, I believed I could do whatever I wanted to do, hence the architecture and not so good at the drawing, you see. But yeah. um, as as I grew up and I went into um, to sixth form, unfortunately, that, that very much changed. And that message of being able to be whatever I wanted to be changed. Um, and having a secondary school that offered such support and not only academically, but also pastorally, that seemed to to fade away. And, and I didn't have such a great time in sixth form. And, and unfortunately, I, under, I underachieved massively. Um, Going on to university, similar story, uh, feeling like I stuck out like a sore thumb, being the uh, one of the only uh, black people on the course. It was myself and another black girl. Um, And to be honest with you, I would always describe myself then as a a confident person. But, you know, being alone can can do a mischief to anyone's confidence, Um, Mm -hmm. particularly when you're still young and developing your identity and who you are. So. Um, it's interesting that that journey of having such an incredible experience, I mean, people talk about university and sixth form being the best years of their lives. I honestly, to this day, hands down, my time at secondary school from beginning to end was incredible. And I have such fond memories from um, my time at secondary school, so many powerful lessons. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's definitely carved out who I am today and most definitely makes me the teacher that I am today. That's amazing. That really is. So you had sixth form and you had university. And what was it you were studying at university? So at university, um, after, again, wonderful guidance from my mother, she's very intuitive, this woman. She said, <laughs> you know what, you're very interested in, in people and you've got a wonderful way of um, understanding uh, even people who are shunned by a group. You seem to draw them in and you can understand the nuanced differences in crowds mm-hmm. and you find people interesting. Why don't you study psychology? Now, I wish she'd said this earlier, just because when I went to sixth form, I made my own decisions and hadn't chose to study it at A-level. And I always mm-hmm. say this to my my students, that it actually opens up your doors to to study a, ver- a variety of different courses. You don't always have to. Obviously, medicine aside, um, you've got many options open to you. So long story short, I studied uh, a degree in psychology. That's really interesting. And when you finished the degree in psychology, were you clear on what you wanted to do with it or were, you know, were you unsure? 
I was hugely unsure. I mean, I remember vividly going to the the careers office at my university and saying, so what do I do now that I've got this degree? I found it interesting, Mm. but where do I go? What do I do? And there wasn't really that sort of solid career guidance um, along the way. I kind of felt like I kept stumbling into things and just doing what what works oh you're good at that you got you got an A in your English so why don't you do an English literature at, at sixth form but what's that going to lead you on to oh well, think about that when you get there sort of thing um, so I wasn't very clear but I, I landed a, a graduate job um, in the city in Canary Wharf which I was very proud of by the way because you wow, could see the building so I know special. I know thank you I appreciate the wow um, <laughs> I remember being <laughs> able to goodness. see <laughs> I remember being able to see my um, my office from uh, my flat in South London and it was just that sense of pride like you know girl done good sort of thing mm. um, but I honestly it felt vapid it felt like I wasn't giving back to the world it just you know it was a very healthy salary as well as they often are mm. to attract graduates um, but it just it wasn't for me um, and I remember coming back from a family holiday uh, from Nigeria and handing in my resignation on the same in that same meeting though my my line manager at the time was trying to offer me a promotion <laughs> and I said um thanks but um I resign <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't my calling um, Mm. at all. It didn't feel right. It just wasn't for me. I couldn't see it going anywhere, but I had a plan and it was um, inspired by um, much like many uh, African children being taken to church every Sunday. um, I I often helped out in the Sunday school and I really enjoyed Mm. Um, helping some of the younger ones prepare for their SATs and their GCSEs with their English. Um, And I said, you know what, maybe teaching is for me. So I went to the local school and uh, near my home and I I asked the head teacher, I said, I'd like to become a teacher, but I know I need experience. So would you give me some some time at your school to see what you do as a TA perhaps? He said, yes, of course, wonderful. Did the DBS, etc. and and the rest is really history. Did you say primary school? No, it was a secondary. It was a secondary. Gosh, yeah. that's, I know that sounds weird. That's really brave. I always mm. think people sort of dip their toes in with primary initially, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because I'm a primary teacher. Mm. So you knew right away then that you wanted to be a secondary teacher. Oh, no, definitely. That's, definitely. You see, so, see, I find secondary quite intimidating. Mm. And I th- and I'm not. I think it's because they're you know they're they're bigger. Yeah, often people say that. I mean, I specialise mm. currently in six forms, so I've I've led six forms. Oh for gosh, they're really years big. Now. Oh, they're huge. Yeah, the good six foot two g- gentlemen charging down the corridor, <laughs> telling you not doing their homework. Sort of. Yeah. No, I, I I I I'm being facetious. They are they are. I think they're they're wonderful at that time because it's such a magical moment in time, and it's such a short lived transition period that I find fascinating. I think the transition from second uh, from primary to secondary is you know it feels huge for a year six child, and the transition from key stage three to key stage four. You're now doing big kid GCSEs, but you're there for a good solid two years at, at the very least. And sixth formers, we have them, if we're lucky, for about 18 months. Um, And it's within that time, they honestly go from being children to adults. And you watch that transition happen 
day in, day out. They come back after their um, summer holidays, um, finishing year 12, going into year 13. You can see they stand a bit taller. They talk a bit mature. And obviously, you know, any sixth form teacher, leader will say, you know, not every sixth form <laughs> that, that is the case. But it is very true. I think it's a, a magical time. And, and they're at that moment where they're carving out their future. And I think it's such a powerful moment to be in. And I, I didn't enjoy my time at sixth form at all. But I, I've almost flipped that experience on its head to ensure that my sixth formers get exactly what I feel they need. They need to be pastorally ready. They need to know where to go for help and support because this is the last time they're going to have that directive pastoral support. They need to ensure they have an idea of what their plan A, B, hopefully all the way down to Z will be um, for their future careers, that financial literacy, all those sorts of things that they can actually be a functioning adult in society. And I'm, I'm truly passionate about six forms and six form leadership. I love the way you flipped your experience. You flipped your experience to give other people the, the positive experience that you didn't have. And I think that's absolutely magical. It really is. So how did you end up then leading sixth form from, from where you were? Because yeah. you, know, that's, you, know, you really must have moved quite, quite far throughout your career to be where you are now. Mm. It was a very uh, bumpy path, um, but it was a path that once I knew exactly what I wanted and the change I wanted to see, because I always I started my career with the, the foresight that I wanted to bring about change. I know what high quality secondary education looks like because I experienced it as a student. So if I go into a school and as a teacher, my students aren't receiving that. That's not good enough. Um, that then transitioned. So I started off as a TA. Um, then my... I, oh, you're, you're doing brilliant things. You seem to be able to manage a class. Wonderful. Behaviour management, spot on. Let's get a cover supervising. So did that for a bit. And during that time, I got to go around subjects and get a feel for what my teaching style could be, would be, what that would look like. Um, and unfortunately, I come from a, I say unfortunately, it's just a fact. I come from a single parent household. She's, uh, my mother is an incredible woman. Um, mm -hmm. And she is a, a full-time teacher still to this day um oh, but wow. I have I'm, we're, I'm one of four and I'm the eldest so the idea that I was ever going to be able to fund a PGCE after finishing a degree was not going that's not going to happen <laughs> I just didn't have the money to do that but I was very clear that I wanted to become a teacher so I had to to think smart so I knew that there were these schools direct options um so I hoped that my school saw something in me and could and could do that but there are some caveats with it um there are only certain subjects that uh that training's offered to so again I had to think a little bit more savvy um and I found what this what's called the assessment only route Mm -hmm. uh, long story short, I was teaching unqualified for, for three years, but uh, reaping incredible results um, and leading on key stage five, like teaching and learning um, during that wow. time as well, because of the impact that I was having on the students that I was teaching. Um, I did the assessment only route, which is essentially it's a it's on the DfE website. It's a, a completely legitimate route into teaching uh, that 
afford you a QTS. You uh, have a, an external um, assessor come in, they assess your teaching for the first time, they give you pointers, you have to produce a portfolio of evidence over your um, your teaching, so against every teaching standard and those sub-standards as well, the 1.1 and all the way down, <laughs> I had to um, submit evidence and um I, I did that and, and passed uh, with outstanding teaching, which was, was fantastic. I was incredibly proud of that. Um, and within that year, once I qualified, thank you. <laughs> um, after qualifying, my head was like, right, OK, you know, we, we're very proud of you. and We're, we're great. It's lovely to see what you're doing. But it, it, it came to it being that I had to have champions. I didn't know the answers. I didn't know how I could progress further. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. My mother had succeeded as a teacher, head of department in her years as well. Um, but outside of that, no one tells you if you, I don't even know if they do that on PGCs at the time. Well, what, what are the next steps? So now I'm a teacher. Now what? Do you do you suddenly become a senior leader? Do you have to wait until you're older to become a senior leader? All the senior leaders that I had seen when I was growing up were older. Um yeah. So it's only because I had those allies, those champions that we talk about in Mindful Equity, um, who said, you know what, I can see your talent. Have you thought about this? Or um, will this sit if I asked the question about senior leadership or even if I didn't and just said, well, this is what it takes to lead a sixth form. You should get this experience to help you prepare for that. That's what really aided my trajectory and it went from being years upon years to within a year being able to progress a couple of times and and so on and so forth so I I'm very grateful for the incredible line management that I've had throughout my um my teaching career but even in situations where I haven't had that type of um line management it's been a case of the teach meets the network the wonderful world of edgy Twitter <laughs> um, <laughs> connecting us all. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's down to me being very clear that I wanted to transform what I was seeing that wasn't up to the standard that I know that I enjoyed and received and reaped the rewards because of the, the GCSEs that I achieved and the diverse GCSEs that I achieved and taking that into every school and every setting that I that I go into. I think that's so important. It really is, Yolandi. And and I just want to to back up on a couple of things that you've said throughout this. When you when you were talking about your schooling, you talked about the importance of role models. Mm. And you've just again then touched on the importance of representation, actually seeing ourselves in people that we aspire to be and you're absolutely right heads of department tend to be older you know um, leadership etc it's it is so important Mm. for us to see ourselves Mm. Um, talk to me as 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 a black woman about what that was like for you if you're comfortable to yeah no definitely I think as a student it's what made me stand a bit taller it's what allowed me to dream that bit bigger because I could see what success looked like um oftentimes um especially students who come from a background of disadvantage which I would be categorized as free school meals people premium the works yeah if you can see what it looks like but more importantly you can have someone who can actually break that journey down for you and tell you that I had to work hard here this is going to be painful but these are the rewards like it's the 
knowing what the steps are is one thing, but actually hearing the narrative and the story and the emotion that comes behind the work ethic to get to that point is really helpful. The fact that I had such incredible uh, role models meant that I could ask those questions. I could get those answers from someone who looked like me um, mm. and therefore allowed me to believe that it would be possible um, and that my questions didn't feel silly because I was talking to someone who looked like me. Um, and I think there's there's the, the element of, because we all do it, you have that person, you have your eye on at work, for example, you think, do you know what, I can see myself in them. We all do. It could be a student, it could be um, a, a colleague or a trainee teacher who's, who's joined the school. But I think it's about, and again, it's the message from Mindful Equity about thinking inclusively that, well, even if, for example, in your setting, there isn't someone who looks like every single one of the students that you um, you have. How can you allow those students to feel like there is someone there who's their champion? Um, yeah. There are role models in the world that they can look to and that you share those nor uh, those narratives, those stories to encourage them to dream big and to learn from the mistakes and the successes of um, people who've made it. It's really powerful. I love that. The fact that actually we need to enable our children by to dream big. And actually we have to we have to actively do something as educators to ensure that they have those role models, to ensure that they can see themselves represented, so that they know that whatever they want to be, whatever they want to aspire to, is possible, that nothing, nothing needs to stop them. And, and I know that that is why you and Aretha created Mindful Equity. Mm -hmm. So actually, new teachers would have somewhere to go. I mean, the two of you are, are quite something to aspire to. You know, you both oh, are incredibly... Well, I, you're, you're both very driven, but incredibly passionate mm. about what you do. And I think that's really important. Mm. So... For, for people out there, how do they find out, get in touch with, connect with Mindful Equity? So we've got an incredible website that's been curated by uh, myself and and pulled together in a wonderful techie wonderfulness by Aretha. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she's incredible. She's, she's learned how to build websites. But anyway, I digress. So our website is www.mindfulequityuk.co.uk. We are on three of the major social platforms. So you can find us on Twitter by, at Mindful Equity UK, Instagram and Facebook under the same. That's fantastic. So going back to you, what do the next five years hold for you, Landy? Where to now? That's, do you know what? If you'd asked me this if, um, at the beginning of this year, I probably would have said, right, I'm going to be a head teacher in four years time. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it's not it's not that that goal isn't something I'm still thinking about. It's just that I suppose my, my new question is, is headship where I need to be to affect the change that I desire to have? on the education system because you've heard me say this before Tori I intend to disrupt the education system from within um I don't want to to leave schools because I I believe it's important that young people new teachers parents see that there are senior leaders who who look like the diverse community that we serve mm. um but it'd like be interesting said, to see what the next few years 
have to hold, really. So what is, in a perfect world, what is the change that you want? I have been describing school communities as microcosms for the society that we want to have. And I think if any educators listening to this is looking at their school community, that's the students, that's the staff, and you believe that this is a representation, it's a microcosm for the society of the future that you'd be proud to say that you've you've helped to curate, um, then we've done our job. At the moment, I think a lot of us as educators feel frustrated at the disadvantage, the attainment gaps, the uh, lack of representation, the lack of acceptance, tolerance of difference, differences. And um, that, for me, will be a sign of that utopian education system that is creating and nurturing the c- civilians, the, the society um, of the future that hopefully will be a, a lot more accepting of of difference. I found myself sitting up taller just listening to you going, yes, yes, come <laughs> on, bring it on, people. It's exactly. really funny, actually. Uh, yeah, I visibly sat up taller when you were talking, just getting very excited. That it is, yeah, magical. <laughs> so I always ask everyone the same question towards the end, which is, who would your perfect teacher have been? Anyone living or dead? Who would your perfect teacher have been? I've been going back and forth on this since you mentioned this question. And I'm going to go with, oh, it's a difficult one. I'm stuck between two people. Can I have two, please? Tell me the two people. Okay. And then, and then I have to come down on one. Yeah. But, okay, you fine. know, if you, ha- if you have to have two eventually, I- I've had someone have three, which I just think is pushing oh. their luck, really. But, you know, <laughs> go for your two. <laughs> All right. The first one is mildly rogue and it's Nina Simone. And Nina oh. Simone has had, had an incredibly tumultuous life. Mm. But I think what a lot of women can learn from Nina is how she constantly just kept rising every time she was battered down she constantly kept rising and it's just that narrative of someone who went so far to the edge of um, success but equally so far to the edge of almost despair um, I think is powerful and there are so many powerful lessons to be learned from her life story I highly recommend her biography uh, also, um, yes her biography uh, the second person is just because I'm I'm wildly obsessed with her research at the moment is Brené Brown um, oh, yeah. I think the I'm the fact that she thought to investigate vulnerability and something that is so it's not unique to women I want to throw out there I do think men can learn a lot about being a lot more vulnerable in their leadership but her research into vulnerability I think is groundbreaking breaking it's necessary and I'm learning so much from her every day that I absorb something that she's put out whether it be some of her literature whether it be a podcast or a TED talk she's done so I would love to be under her tutelage one day and actually we let we entitled this tiny voice um talks daring to lead because of Brenny Brown am i right yeah yes 100% 100% well i'm going to let you have two because oh, thank kind. you soria you're very kind you you are so welcome and yolandi i have no doubt that you will keep rising and i have no doubt that in 5 years time you will be shaking up the education system as you are already doing and I am so excited for what the next five years hold for you. 
Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And um, I wish you a lovely day. You too. Take care.